as long as you have breath in your lungs, there's an opportunity to repent and to be forgiven. If you're alive listening to this, you feel like maybe you've been a blasphemer, repent. Yeah. Turn to Christ. From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome to Living the Word podcast, where we seek to love Jesus with all of our hearts, our souls, and yes, that processor between our ears too. We are really excited as Living Word Church to have this platform to dive deeper into God's Word and to grow in love for Jesus even more. And I am the host, uh, Dominic Ferrone, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I'm here with Pastor Ben Bufkin, the Supreme Potentate of Living Word Church. <laughs> Supreme Potentate. <laughs> I think we have some fun questions for you. So if I'm the Supreme Potentate, what is your role? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, before we get started, uh, what inspired you to want to do the podcast? There's always opportunities for people to ask questions. And so I know that sometimes you're listening to a message on a Sunday morning and you'll hear the pastor say something and you'll think, man, I really wish he would have uh, went a little bit further on that point or wish he would have clarified that subject. And I think it's a good thing for us to have another outlet where we can maybe go a little bit deeper in some of the questions that our church family might have. Ultimately, the purpose is is that we would dig deeper into God's Word and, and to provide biblical answers, not only for questions that people may have, but there may be time, time to time where we deal with uh, some 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 subjects that are at the cult, that are in the culture at large that would be important for us to to speak to. Yeah, and we've gotten a lot of questions, right? How many questions have we gotten? I don't know the exact count, but it's probably around forty or fifty yeah, questions. So we'll be able to do a lot of episodes. Job, good job with uh, sending in questions. And this is our first episode. What do you think we ought to do to celebrate our one hundredth episode someday? Our one hundredth episode. Uh, if the content is is good enough to make it to a hundred, I don't know. Let's just let's celebrate uh, number two. All right. Yes. <laughs> if we ever get to a hundred and people are still listening, we can celebrate. I look forward to it. So our our question. Question uh, that we are taking on today is what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? But before we tackle the question overall, what would you say is the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, so the subject of the blasphemy of the, of the Holy Spirit, I think, is a is an important question that people have uh, when they they think about it because they want to make sure that they're not doing that. And so, I think before you answer that question, your set of question is perfect. You know, we need to define what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. So if you think about what the Holy Spirit came to do, there's really one primary function that the Holy Spirit, or, or I would say his primary purpose is, and that's to point to Christ, to exalt Christ. And we see this in a couple of different places that I would like to to highlight. One of them would be Matthew chapter 3. So when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, um, if you remember, they kind of, actually, I'll, I'll read verse 16 here. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, descending like a dove and coming to rest on Jesus. So really what's happening there is that that Jesus' baptism, you have God the Father speaking from heaven, you have Christ the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. So you even see their picture that God is Trinitarian. Wow, the Trinity is right there. Right. Uh, but what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's resting on the the Son as a as a seal, as a recognition uh, of who Christ is. And so he's affirming the person in the work of Christ. Um, that's, the first, that's the first thing that I think of when I think about the Holy Spirit's role. Another section that I think really makes it clear what the Holy Spirit's primary function is, 
is before Jesus ascended. So he was crucified, he was buried, and he was raised. He was raised by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit on the third day. Uh, Before he ascended, he, he revealed himself to over 500 people. And to his disciples before he ascended, he told them this. This is Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So really clearly there, you see that when the Holy Spirit comes into the life of a, of a believer, when they place their faith in Christ, the primary purpose that, that comes from that is that you would have the power to witness about Christ, to witness for Christ, to point to Christ. So the Holy Spirit points to Christ in Christ's baptism, and the Holy Spirit empowers us as baptized believers to point to Christ. All right, so to get to our question this week, what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It sounds kind of scary, you know? It says that it's the only unforgivable sin. Can you put that in context for us? Jesus, you you see throughout his ministry, he did many, many miracles and signs, and it was obvious, should have been obvious to everyone that he was not just an ordinary man. He wasn't just a prophet, just a good teacher. He clearly evidenced through his power when he walked the earth that he he was God. And one of the things that he did, he he had control over demons. And there was a demon-oppressed man that Jesus healed. And so right on the heels of that miracle of Jesus delivering a man that was oppressed by demons, there's a conversation that the Pharisees who hated Jesus, uh, these Pharisees approached Jesus and said, in short, in Matthew chapter 12, said, you cast out these demons by the power of Satan. Yikes. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. So so we see after after the Pharisees tell this to Jesus, Jesus culminates Matthew 12, verse 31 through 32. It culminates where Jesus tells these Pharisees this powerful, profound truth here. He says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will, will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. So we're talking about heaven or hell, eternal destiny kind of stuff. Right. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit, he says, will not be forgiven this side of heaven or after, right? He says, or in this age or the age to come. So what does blasphemy mean? Right. So, so this is, this is where we get the, the section where Jesus speaks about this. And, but then to define blasphemy, blasphemy, that word from Matthew 12, um, is defined in the Greek as reviling, as slander, defamation, to be profane. So it's, it's slandering, it's defaming. And this is what the Pharisees were doing to Jesus. They were defaming his name. They were saying that, you are healing this man. You're setting him free from demon oppression through the power of Satan. It's like the lowest thing you can accuse Jesus of, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's putting him, it's putting the prince and the king of creation, the God of creation, on the same level as Satan. Yikes. Um, you know, there, there, there's a section, I think, to kind of, I think, illustrate this, to, to, to speak to it, to kind of show, we see this New Testament example of it in Matthew 12 of someone looking at perfect goodness and righteousness and holiness and saying that they are on the same level of Satan. We see an Old Testament picture of that in Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 5, in speaking to God's people 
uh, and speaking to the leaders of God's people, he says this. He says, and starting verse 20, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So it's really profound here. It's, it's a similar picture that you see with the Pharisees where they're looking at Jesus who just healed a man that was oppressed by demons. And not only have those Pharisees just seen that, but they've seen all the other works that they've been witnessing and hearing about. And they look at Jesus and they say, what is perfectly good is not really coming from the source of perfection and holiness and goodness. It's coming from a source of evil. Yeah, the most debased evil. The most debased evil, right? Evil, good. You know, when I, when I think about that, I mean, I think about our culture. Yeah. And like you see people calling good evil and evil good. It's everywhere. Yeah. When I think about it, I think of the abortion issue. Yeah. You know, everyone, they all claim to, everything has to be based in science, right? Science, science, science. You know, you can't believe the Bible because of science. And then suddenly the topic of abortion comes up and it's all about my truth and, you know, my feelings, what I think is best. Um, it's looking at one thing and then immediately calling it the opposite of, of what it is, you know? Yeah, it's an ignoring of the reality that's right in front of us. So as in your context, just to, to ask you a question, Dom, in your reality as a youth pastor dealing with young people week in and week out, I'm sure there are a lot of cultural questions that come up as concerning issues concerning sin, good and evil, and there's such a strong push for there really really to be no definition of sin none so speak speak to how how you how you deal with that well in any way that you can you avoid using the word evil if you're a part of this young generation yeah because there is no right and wrong sin is to say that you are there's an authority over you if there is something that you cannot do and uh, the idea of my truth is one of the the biggest issues out there and that's what opens the floodgates for the homosexuality wave and tidal wave that's taking over the country as as long as what is right and wrong is not based on an authority outside of ourselves but based on my truth then i can redefine god as however i want i can define christianity however i want because it's not based on an objective standard right. and um for for jackie and i this hurts a lot we have we have students that we love to pieces that are blinded by their own views that they've chosen of how to view God. This whole, God made me this way, and and I'm supposed to be this way, and I can find peace because I'm just lining up with who God made me to be, is this willful ignoring of Scripture itself. And mm-hmm. um, Jesus recognizes this, you know, to, to say I was born this way is exactly true. We were all born it's sinners. We were all born in sin. And that's why Jesus says we have to be born again. It's a total surrender of my personal identity for the identity of Christ. And that's so backwards. And in the conversation of calling what is right, wrong, that's it. And we're looking at the greatest goodness of who Jesus is and saying, no, I'm choosing, I'm choosing me. Yeah. It is interesting to think about. So you, you know, you go from what we see here in Isaiah five and Matthew 12, and then in your context with a, a modern culture of young people growing up, it's not just calling good evil and evil good. Now it's, it's as you were saying, it's, it's pushing off all definitions of good and evil, yeah. that basically everything is neutral now. Yeah. The culture doesn't want the church to meet them halfway. Right. The culture wants a complete surrender 
to their cultural outlook. They want us not just to wave the white flag, but to march with them, you know? And um, there's this scripture doesn't give room for concession. It doesn't give room to negotiate. Right. And this is what we see in Matthew 12. Jesus left no room to negotiate who he was. None. And what did the Pharisees do? They looked at the, the purest reflection of who God is in Christ, and they looked at him in the face and they said, you're of Satan. Yeah. Right? It's, the depth, it's, it's a depth of darkness, you know, and so it, it is just like this subject of the blasphemy of the, of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it does have so many other avenues that we could go down, but you know, I guess maybe just getting back on track here to answer the, answer the question, calling good evil, evil good. This is what the Pharisees did. He, Jesus delivered the, the, the demon oppressed man. And then if you look back to what we saw in Isaiah 5, notice, notice that the prophet looked at, the prophet Isaiah looked at those who called evil good and good evil, who mixed them up and switched light for darkness and bitter for sweet. He said, woe, woe to you. That's a strong word. It, which it's 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 a curse. It's like the Pharisees uh, when Jesus spoke to them in Matthew twenty three. He says the seven woes of the Pharisees. He says over and over again, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Woe to you, you hypocrites! You you tithe on your mint and your dill and your cumin, but you're neglecting the weightier matters of God's law. You know you you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones, right? And so it's this hypocrisy, and so it's it's a curse." Is a curse on the woe to those who would call good evil and evil good. Pastor, before you wrap this all up and tie up the loose ends, I do want to invite all of those listening to please rate this, uh, subscribe to it, comment on it. If you're watching Facebook or YouTube, in any way that you interact with this podcast, you're helping the algorithm make us more visible to other people. So, Pastor, what is the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit? Okay, so yeah, we've kind of dealt with the context. We've uh, dealt with the scripture in Matthew twelve that uh, Jesus uses this statement, uses this 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 judgment. It's a judgment against these Pharisees. Um, and we looked at an Old Testament example of a similar thing going on. So putting it all together, the Pharisees look at the works of Jesus in delivering the demon oppressed man. And they say, you did it by the power of Satan. So then to that declaration of the Pharisees, Jesus responds with that statement that we read in verse 31 and 32. Context is important. He says, he says directly to them saying he did it by the power of Satan, he says, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. All right? So to give the answer, I got to circle back one more time. Let's not forget the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to exalt Jesus to point to his work. And so to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to totally and completely disregard the work of the Holy Spirit in exalting Jesus. So it would be that there would be no more complete rejection of the Holy Spirit's work than to say that Jesus is equal with Satan. No more complete rejection than to say perfect goodness, perfect holiness on display is equal with Satan. Wow. Uh, so, Pastor Ben, what would advice what advice would you give to someone that says, "Oh man, I'm I'm really concerned that at some point in my life I have committed the unforgivable sin. I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Maybe I was at this real low point in my life or um, maybe I was under influence of something." You know, what would you say to that person? First of all, I'd say that as long as you have breath in your lungs, 
there's an opportunity to repent and to be forgiven. Uh, you know, we don't believe that people are predestined to hell without a choice to repent and to believe in Christ. And so it's important that we remember that as long as we have breath, I mean, the, the, the story of the thief on the cross is a perfect example of the grace of God and right before the dying breath of a human being. Here you have a thief that um, is being crucified. Uh, uh, Jesus is in the middle. You have one thief that is reviling, and then this other thief, uh, he kind of realizes that, wait a minute, this is this man that we're reviling here. There's something special about him. He, he must be the Son of God, and he, in, in some way he, 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 he speaks faith towards Christ, and, and he's forgiven. Today, Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise. And so to that person who may feel that way, there are so many accounts and testimonies and stories of people who not only maybe lived lives of rebellion against Christ, rejected the drawing of the Spirit, but maybe even went as far as to being involved in the, the, the occult, in Satanism and Satan worship. And you, you, you can find testimonies and stories of those who went even that far but came to faith in Christ. And so the short answer, my short, somewhat long answer is, is that as long as you have breath, you have an opportunity to repent. Yeah. Who's an illustration in the Bible that you think would fit the bill of someone who seems really far gone? Yeah. Uh, we were talking about that earlier in our prep time. So, uh, Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Yes. If you remember in the book of Acts, it says that Saul was a persecutor of the of the church, of the way, is what the church was called. And it was those who followed the way of Christ. They yeah. were, they were disciples. can't be any more against Christ than right. to persecute him, right? He's persecuting the Christians. He's, he, he was giving the, he gave the approval of the stoning of Stephen. And so he's on his way to persecute more Christians, and Christ reveals himself to Saul and says, why are you persecuting me? He's converted. And later on, the apostle Paul, he had he was Saul. Christ changed his name to Paul. When Paul describes himself in his letters, he says that he was a former blasphemer. Well, there's that word again. A former blasphemer. And so you have even in Scripture someone who considered himself a blasphemer of Christ who was born again who God intervened and gave him an opportunity to turn, to repent, and to follow him. Yeah. So I feel like it would be good for us to give just a succinct answer, kind of just one final succinct answer to the blasphemy of, of the Spirit. And I, I think what I would say is this. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit would be to completely and totally reject the work of Christ and to die in that rejection. So as that's, long as you're breathing. That's the only unforgivable sin is to die in a state of rejection against Christ and his work, which is what the Holy Spirit uh, points towards. So you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit's work of pointing to the work of Christ for forgiveness. So if if you're alive listening to this, you feel like maybe you've been a blasphemer, repent. Yeah. Turn to Christ. There's someone that you love. There's hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's beautiful. So what you're saying, Pastor, is that if you're actually concerned about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, it's probably evidence that the Lord is working in you towards the exact opposite. Absolutely. One of the one of the proofs that you're a believer is the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart. And you feel the weight of sin. You feel you feel the weight of sin. You feel the weight of of the things that are moving you away from Christ, right? That are uh, the 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 conviction of the Spirit working in your heart to 
to draw you towards Christ. And so I think if you're worried about it, it's a sign that the Spirit's working in your heart. Um, and and that, j- just a little segue too, you know, when we think about blas- blaspheming the, the, the Holy Spirit, some, some, you know, Scripture talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, really grieving the Holy Spirit is sin. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is sin. And so when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much for dealing with kind of a a tough question. And I wanted to let everyone who is listening know that episodes are going to be coming out perhaps as frequent as twice a month. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, review. And you can submit a question by going to livingwordhoma.com and submit something for us to wrestle with and and answer biblically. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On our YouTube channel. Fantastic. Living Word, may you live the Word this week and go beyond just the head knowledge, but actually put it into action. Let's love the Lord with with our words, with our thoughts, with our actions, and how we treat each other. It's been fun, Dom. Yeah, it's a blast. Episode one. We did it. I don't know. Uh, excuse our progress. This is the first time we're trying to do a podcast here, so we don't know exactly know what we're doing. It takes we're, the first step to get to episode 100. We're trying to <laughs> start somewhere. Uh, this may have been a rough start. We apologize for any um, awkwardness that came across, but we're trying our best. And uh, thank you guys so much for sending in questions, and um, prayerfully this will be a, a benefit to you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Dom. Love you, living word. Love you, Pastor. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic, or an idea for a future episode, or learn more about Living the Word podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Bufkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to living the Word.